Hey guys, this is Courtney Mason, and this is the Millennial Dreamers Podcast. You know, as millennials, many of us are online or on our phones the majority of the day. Generally, we're reading articles or watching videos or just scrolling down the feed on our preferred social media app. Well, there's someone who's creating that content, and today's guest does just that, but on a large scale. I caught up with Crystal Franklin to discuss her path to becoming a producer, the grit and grind it has taken to get there, and the growth she's experienced personally on her journey. Without further ado, let's get into it. Millennial Dreamers, today on the podcast, we have Crystal Franklin. Crystal is an entertainment media professional who serves as senior producer of digital and social media, creative services, and marketing at TV One. She's also the former digital content producer for the nationally syndicated Tom Joyner Morning Show at Reach Media. She has a litany of other accomplishments that we'll get into in the interview, but I would be remiss if I did not say she's a graduate of the Gremlin State University and a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated and, and, and my line sister. So <laughs> without further ado, hey girl, hey. Hey, Cord. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm so super glad to have you on the podcast. Full disclosure, full disclosure. How are you, though? No, I'm really good. I am. I am in a new space of just being grateful um, every day and just trying to minimize all the drama and leave the drama where it is and not bring it home with me. So I'm good. I had some wine when I came home. So I'm, I'm good. I'm feeling good. I'm in the house. I'm ready to talk to you and your amazing audience. Um, so I'm good. Now I feel like I'm behind because I didn't pour up a glass of wine. I think I said that previously. Like, I should have had my glass of wine because this is going to be right. one good kiki for the listeners. So, so, um, so, you know, I know that I know about your journey because you've always been very candid about it and sharing your experiences on your platforms. But for our listeners, give them a glimpse into your background. Yeah, so I am, um, I work in entertainment and television. I um, used to work in radio. Uh, I have a degree in broadcast journalism. So I knew very early on that I wanted to be in front of the camera. I knew very early on. So may, I want to say maybe as young as like 14 or 13, like that I wanted to be in front of the camera. I didn't really know exactly what that meant or what that was or what kind of job that was. But I knew that I loved reading and writing, and that was my thing. I've, I've literally been writing since I was about five or six years old, writing chapter books. And you know, I spent tons and tons of time at the library, going back every week, just renting out tons of books. My mom even got me a set of encyclopedias for Christmas one year. Like, I literally love reading and writing, and I knew that whatever that was, whatever that love was, that I wanted to do it full time, and I wanted to do it for a living. Um, and so I got to high school, started watching Living Single, and Khadijah was actually the person for me that kind of confirmed what it is that I wanted to do. She owned a magazine, she went to an HBCU, and I said, that's it, I want to do that. And my mom said, okay, that's called a journalist. I said, that's what I want to do, I want to be a journalist. So fast forward, I graduated high school in 2004, get to Grambling State University in the fall of 2004, 
And um, I had a little bit of TV experience in, in high school. I was a high school correspondent for the ABC affiliate in Dallas. And so I had a little bit of TV experience, and I said, okay, I want to do TV in college, but I don't know if they really have a TV station. Grambling did not have the best TV stations. So I settled into being in radio. So I was a part of the Grambling Sports Radio Network for four years, and I traveled with the football team. And so I was the sideline reporter for four years. So I would go to every single game, and I would literally report on the game. So I did pregame interviews during the week. I'm with the players and the coaches. I did post-game interviews with our different coaches. Um, and I did atmosphere reports, which is just um, if, the, if we're beating the Mississippi Valley 75-0, to zero, we need something to talk about. Mm-hmm. So let's do it to Crystal. Let's throw it to Crystal on the field. And, she, you know, and I'm probably talking to Ms. Grambling or, Ms., uh, or the SGA president or whoever the current president is or the band director or one of the OD, ODC or, or Keith's, let me say that, or Keith's the Dance Company um, captain. So I'm just talking to people. If we have some celebrities there, I'm talking to them. So I was doing that for about four years. And I knew once I graduated college that I loved radio, but I wanted to get back in front of the camera. Um, appeared, uh, appeared first in front of the camera when I was 17, and I knew then that I was like, okay, I'm 21 now, but I want to get back to where I was at 17. I want to get in front of the camera. Um, it did not happen. I am here to say that it still has not happened um, 10 years since I've graduated. But I've had an amazing journey just working um, in the background or kind of behind the scenes of entertainment. So graduated in 2008 from Grambling. Didn't have a job, although I had some bomb internships with the NBA. I had um, another internship in L.A. for a really big popular radio station. Didn't have a job at all. So I'm devastated. I have to move back home to Dallas. I'm moving back in with my mom at 22 years old, mm-hmm. um, and I am working at my church as a receptionist with a degree in broadcast journalism and a whole bunch of Sally Mae money, kinda, <laughs> you know, to- totaling up. You know, I am at home working as a receptionist at my church. I'm depressed. I'm sad. I don't have a car. I feel like a failure. I feel like, what's the point of living? What's the point of going to college and owing all of this money if I don't have the degree in my field? Or I have the degree if I don't have the job in my field. Right. Um, so I'm on Craigslist heavy, heavy. You know, back then, that was on Craigslist was real dangerous. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the Lifetime movies about the Craigslist killer, <laughs> that was, like, really big back then. And so my mom was like, this is going to look for jobs on Craigslist. Just be careful. I'm like, okay. So I'm looking for jobs, and I remember being um, literally at my desk at my church um, right after I hung up the phone for from an angry, you know, member calling about something. Um, I remember going on Craigslist. I, I clicked Dallas. I clicked entertainment news jobs, and the first thing that popped up was nationally syndicated radio host needs two-day help. So I click on that, and I open it, and it says nationally syndicated radio host will be in Dallas for a live remote He's looking for two-day help. Um, email your resume if you think you qualify. I'm like, okay, I did radio it in college. I got this. I send my resume, close out the app, or close out the um, Craigslist, and I go to lunch. Come back from lunch, and I have an email, and it is from Steve Harvey's publicist. Wow. The radio nationally nationally radio syndicated host was Steve Harvey, and he was coming to Dallas to do a live remote. A live remote means that he was going to broadcast his show live in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. So um, I was like, oh, my God, this is great. I went in for the interview at the local radio station. She said, yes, I want you. And literally that day in 2008 started the career that has now blossomed 10 years later. So I did that for two days. And because I did such a good job there, I was invited back to do other events for Steve Harvey all across the country. 
Okay. So I started working contractually for Steve Harvey in 2008, um, and I did the hoodie. Back then, they were the hoodie awards. Now they're the neighborhood awards. But I was in Vegas for the hoodie awards with him as a production assistant. So everything was literally just making things happen behind the scenes, help producing the event. Um, you know, and I still have these grand dreams of TV, but I also knew very well that in order to get into entertainment, I needed to be able to do some other things. Right. Like, okay, you might be talented and you can talk and speak well, but you need to also be able to do other things just to get you in the room. So I started being a production assistant for a different, a lot of different companies over the years. I worked with TV Jake, worked with a really um, well-known celebrity interior designer. I did the BET Awards in 2013 as a production assistant. So I knew that that was going to just being in those rooms and being in those spaces and telling people what I wanted to do, that eventually I would be able to land the full-time job in my field. And lo and behold, in 2014, I became Tom Joyner's digital content producer. And I spent three years there with wow. Tom Joyner in Dallas, my hometown, uh, working for him. And it was, it's been crazy since then. So it's been a long journey because, remember, I graduated college in 2008. I didn't get my first job in my field until 2014. Wow. So I've been working. I worked at Enterprise. I worked in HR for about five years kind of moving around in different companies. I was a recruiter for a company. I was a trainer for the company. I just So a lot of HR, enterprise for a year before I quit, just trying to pay the bills and trying to just keep myself afloat. But I always knew those dreams of working in entertainment were still there. And so anytime I could get like a freelance gig here or there, I would take it, take off work. But eventually it happened for me in, in 2014 was where I started officially. I mean, that's essentially a story of not giving up hope because yeah. to... You know, work, that is a, a, a very long time to not work in your field or specifically just not doing the type of work that you want to do. Um, and to set, But to, that you had the, the foresight to know that to get where I want to go eventually and to do the things that I want to do eventually, I need to take different opportunities that will help me get these different skills that I need and that will prepare me for the long haul because you know you never know when the time is right so it's like prepare early on by taking any opportunities that you can that will help you and also just going on Craigslist you never know who might be looking for something I, I think that's dope in and of itself that you were able to find something in the unlikeliest of places some working with such a brand and a, a figure as Steve Harvey finding it right. on Craigslist. That means like the grind is real. You don't, don't oh, ever okay. like, yeah, don't look I, down. I on. had no, I had no clue that that kind of stuff was even on Craigslist. Like it was, I was desperate. You know what I mean? I was literally just trying to find something that I could do that mimicked what I wanted to do for real. I, I knew I was working at my church, but I needed, I needed something, even if it was, you know, contract, a contract job. I needed something to kind of keep me afloat, to keep me, you know, going. Cause I was, I was in a bad space, you know, to graduate with no job and to do, and to do so and have to move home. And that's real humbling. It's really, really, mm-hmm. really humbling, you know, and I was desperate and I didn't even know that jobs like that existed on Craigslist, but you know what? Thank the Lord they did. I don't know if they still do, but I'm just glad that I, whatever, whatever told me to go to Craigslist, I'm assuming it was God. Whatever led me there, I'm just glad that I listened and didn't, you know, you know, kind of turn my face up or turn my nose up at it. Um, it I'm just glad that I listened and, and it was able to, you know, do very well for me. That makes me think of what you might have been going through to pull yourself out of a funk because you mentioned that 
during that time it was hard and it was frustrating and you even felt depressed at times and even desperate for something that would get you where you wanted to be what kept you motivated to say listen I know that there's more out there I'm going to keep going keep working and not give up the the dream and the hope that I have for this job that I've held on to since I was a child yeah you know what honestly I I'm special you know and I kind of I've known I've always known I was special I didn't Mm -hmm. really know what that meant I knew I had a big mouth. I knew I was very <laughs> kind of like, you know, just in people's faces. I, I, I just, but I knew that that was special. I just didn't know what, why it was special. Um, and so I think what the only thing that really kept me afloat aside from faith and God and literally going, you know, working, the benefits of working at a church is that you are, and working at your church more specifically, is that somehow, some way you are always kind of, in, you know, you, you always got the Lord in your ear, whether it's the, you know, the pastor coming in trying to get some copies. Or something. There's always, the, the presence of God is always there. Right. So while, although I hated going to work every single day and I hated working there, I think that was what I needed to keep me afloat. Like, yeah, okay, you know you're special, you know you're talented, you have the degree, you have a little bit of experience, but if it wasn't for though that year of working at my church and having people literally pour into me every day from our HR director to my pastor to the janitor, like literally saying, Crystal, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're special. You're amazing. If I didn't have that for that year, I don't. I don't even know where I would be. So I think it was important that I was there. Like I could have been in any other job after college, but the fact that I was at my home church and I was there and being kind of, um, kind of just loved on mm-hmm. through my, my rough time, that was, that's what it was. You know, that I was making $8 and 75 cents an hour as a college graduate. And I was living at home with my mom, had no car, but I had the support of people. Mm-hmm. And I think, we kind of forget how important people are and how important humanity is. And, you know, the, the trend is, you know, you can't sit here or no new friends. And I, I don't believe in that. I don't right. believe in that. I don't subscribe to that at all. Yes, I have my day ones, but I also welcome new people in my life. It doesn't mean that we have to be, you know, the best of friends or we have to be tethered at the hip. But if you're supposed to be in my life as a source of encouragement, I'm going to take it because life is hard. Listen, it is hard in real life. Like, you just never know when you need someone in your corner and when you might be in a bad space and just need that pick me up. So, that's super dope. And one thing that I know also is that as millennials, sometimes we have millennials have the reputation of wanting to, to be paid like the big bucks right out the gate once you cross the stage at graduation you have the diploma in hand it's like okay I need to be paid x y and z but even Absolutely. in your story saying like you know I was paid this amount and then also you mentioned how you've taken internships and they may have been unpaid like talk I want to talk a little bit about that because I saw on one of your platforms and when you were just kind of giving your insights you said that you know no one will want to pay you to do something that you haven't done for free consistently and at the highest level so kind of explain a little bit about that in detail and how that has played out in your journey yeah, for sure. So that whole statement just means, I mean, I know we expect to get paid. And I know the whole trend is, you know, know your worth and you need to get paid your worth. And once you know your worth, add tax on it. Mm-hmm. All of that is beautiful and that's great. And that's that's true. 
but you also have to know that if you're not consistently doing something for free, meaning whatever your passion is, if you weren't doing it consistently at your highest level for free, how dare you expect someone to pay you the big bucks for it? Because mm-hmm. if you couldn't do it broke and you didn't do it, you didn't do it when no one was looking, you're likely not going to do it at the best level when you are getting paid for it and you do have the eyes on you. So it's all about consistency and discipline. I'm in no way saying work for free. What I'm saying is do it, whatever. So so my goal is to be on television and it still is to be on television, hosting an entertainment news show like a Good Morning America uh, or a Today Show, mm-hmm. E-News, Extra, Access Hollywood. That's the goal. It's always been the goal. So if I wasn't in my closet making videos on Instagram, five, six, seven years ago and doing it weekly. And that was back when Instagram was like two seconds. So I had like 45 videos. Right. Like it, was, it was it was crazy. But like if I wasn't doing that back then when no one was watching, before I had, you know, 7,300, 70, 71, no, 7,300 followers that I do now. I forgot, why do I know that number? I, I do. But, you know, before the, the, before the audience, before the, the, the big title, if I wasn't doing it free consistently back then, how dare I ask TV1 to pay me whatever I was asking them to pay me? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's all about doing it when no one is looking and doing it at your highest level when no one is looking. If you don't have the discipline to do it at your highest level, you're likely not going to have that same discipline when the big company calls. So I, I've always been a proponent of doing it afraid, doing it scared, doing it broke, doing it frustrated, doing it, you know, when you don't feel like it, doing it when you're tired, when you're mad. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's the thing. When, you, when you're mad and you're frustrated and you still, and you telling somebody to still do it anyway, that's hard. Yeah. Do, it when you don't, do it when you don't believe. Right. When you when when your face is low and you don't feel like God is listening, do it anyway. So it, I would literally get in my closet at my old apartment and get on Instagram and just talk about me. I would act like people was asking me stuff and I would literally just talk about me. And that was just that was one doing it afraid because, girl, don't nobody know you. Don't nobody care about you. Anybody ask you no questions. You're going to put this out here. You're going to put this out here anyway. OK. And then also it was helping. It was helping me project my voice. It was helping me be a better speaker. Right. It was helping me be, you know, comfortable on camera, even if it was my little blurry, you know, cell phone camera. All of that helped. So when the big, you know, when TV One called or when Tom Joyner called, it, it was second nature for me to be on camera because I had been doing it since 2008 in my closet on my cell phone or on Snapchat or whatever. You know, I use all of these platforms as if I'm in front of the camera. Now I'm a little, you know, I'm a little less filtered than what the FCC, you know, would normally allow. But, you know, it's social media, so I have a little fun with it. But um, I am a big proponent of just really doing it when you do not feel like it, when you don't like it, when you want to quit, when you're upset. Um, So that's what that meant. And um, I believe that that's what I, I mean, even now I get frustrated and I'm upset that I'm still not on TV and I'm 32 years old. But I have to remember that, okay, you know what? Your journey was uniquely created for you. No matter what your peers may be doing in the industry, on June 22nd, 1986, God had a plan for your life. Not for for your life to look like her life or his life, but for your life. So you have to trust the journey that I I put you on. I know it took to 2014 for you to get your full-time job, but... It's here, right? You got it. Look what I've done. I, I did it before. I can do it again. Yeah. But you just got to, you got to trust me. But I, I can do it again. I promise you. So 
that's how I kind of just keep motivated. You know, I think I look at, I call it proof of faith. All mm-hmm. the things that I've been afforded to do, um, I literally think about, okay, BET Awards, that was beautiful for me. Great. Getting the cast of Living Single together for the 25th anniversary a couple weeks, a couple months ago. That Dope. was good for me. Great. Yeah, thank you. So <laughs> just all of those things, I think I call it proof of faith. So he did that. So how dare you think he can't put you on TV tomorrow if he wants you to? Exactly. Man. You that, know what I mean? Yeah, that is awesome. Because I was so, trying to hold back from singing. Um, if he did it before, he'll do it again. That gospel <laughs> song, that's right. what immediately came to my mind. Because I'm like, gosh, yeah. we, we forget about that so many times that he's like, how many times do I have to show you? Like when you were right. crying on the floor, having a panic attack, thinking that right. you were going to, you know, not get over you know, this heartbreak or this job loss or this failed class and all this. And I brought you through that. And now you're here and you're thriving and flourishing. How quickly do we forget that? And you just start questioning. And so, and it's such a disrespect, honestly, mm -hmm. it's such a disrespect to him. And I, I do it not often, but I do do it. And I always have to ask for forgiveness. It's disrespectful. Like how dare you forget that he has done even if it ain't what you wanted, he has put you in rooms and put you in positions to even just get, just to be in the atmosphere. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's put you there. So how dare you forget? I, don't, I, I do believe you should question. I, I'm a firm believer in always asking questions, even if it is to the Lord. So, I, but how dare you forget that he did it? Mm-hmm. How, how, how dare you act as if? He don't love you. You know me. I'm I'm a cancer. I'm super dramatic. So I'd be like, Oh God, you've forsaken me. Why? And it's like, girl, chill out. Like, ain't nobody forsaking nothing. You just need to be patient. And I have that's 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 my biggest struggle is that good old patience game. I don't like to play that game. Mm-hmm. But it's it's necessary. It's important because I don't want to be anywhere where I'm not supposed to be at yet. I've always said, don't give it to me if I'm not ready for it. Right. And as much as I want e news and, and extra and excess Hollywood entertainment tonight, if I'm not ready for it, keep it as far away from me as possible. And that's a bold statement to say, mm-hmm. but that's really how I feel because I don't want to mess it up. I cannot afford to mess up anything in my life at this point you know it was cute in your 20s and stuff but now that we're getting towards mid-30s I cannot afford to mess up anything so if I'm not ready or guess what if they're not ready for me yet because I don't want to be at a corporation that I have to kind of diminish my light or dim my light or shrink a little bit just to play the game I know there's some playing the game of course but I don't want to lose myself so if they're not ready yet don't give it to me exactly I, I am with you on the and also if it's not within your will that I have it, you know, align Absolutely. yeah, align my my heart and the desires of my heart with what your will is for me. That's always my constant prayer, and it, that's a hard one as well because it's like okay. we want what we want, but you know what he has for it us may is not so much, be yeah right so much so much right. better. Well, and also to pick to go back to something that you mentioned before, and and you know also talking about like the frustrations with seeing maybe some of your peers that have started in this industry around the same time that you have and might be doing something similar and you see them and I I, I had a conversation just today with a friend of mine and she said you know I had to take a step away from social media because the comparison game is real and I found oh, that yeah. you know I was looking at other people and it was starting to affect 
the way I felt about myself and, and started to, so I had, she said she had to take a step away from social media for a few months because I was like, I, you know, I hadn't seen you post a lot. So, you know, I was just right. checking on you and things like that. And she was like, you know, I'm, I'm very conscious of that. I didn't want to look up and I'm doing a bunch of things. Um, just trying to compete with people because I believe that I'm supposed to be where they are. So right. um, have you found that that's something that you've had to work through, just not getting caught up in the comparison game and not, you know, coveting someone else's um, story and realizing that you have a story uniquely for you that, you know, we, you have to be comfortable and confident in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I am... 32. So I'm a little bit older than a lot of my peers that are doing things that I want to do. Or we work in the same industry, but they're about 25, 26. So that was the biggest thing for me. Not only that they were doing what I was doing that I wanted to do, but that they were doing it at a faster rate than I was. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, old, I'm older than a lot of my peers in this industry. And I always struggled with the reason why they got it at 25 or 23 or right out of college. You know, I had no idea why they, why, why he gave it to them. I was mad. I was jealous. I was upset, upset. I speak very openly about being jealous and being envious of my peers. I have no qualms about saying that out loud because I really believe that a lot of us struggle with that, but mm -hmm. we don't want to, you know, admit it. And me, I, I don't look, I, I can't go through life acting like I'm something that I'm not. And I was very jealous for 10, for about 10 years. And even now I still find myself saying, oof, you know, I get a little tinge of like, oh, why not me? I want I want to be on the Grammy red carpet. I want to, you know, be the face of this. I want to do that. And I honestly just have to remind myself that June 22nd, 1986, your journey, not hers. Mm -hmm. The journey is not one size fits all. It is not. It is not ever going to just be one, like everybody can do. No, boo, you had to, you have your own set of things that you had to go through in order to perfect you, in order to prepare you for, you know, TV one or beyond. Um, so all the time, I even had to unfollow a couple of my peers that I really love and respect, had to unfollow them because I was too jealous to see their accomplishments and not be envious of them. Mm -hmm. And it hurt because I'm like, oh, like, oh, my God, this is so bad. But I had to. Like, my job is to be on social media, so I can't step away, you know, completely from it because it's literally, it's literally in the job title. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I have, to, I have to know what's going on and be able to deliver at a moment's notice um, different content. But I had to unfollow a couple people. And I even, it's crazy because I unfollowed one girl. Her name is Stacey Ike, um, S-A-C. S-T-A-C-E-Y-I-K-E. -E. She's amazing. She's an amazing host and um, actress. And I had to unfollow her for a while because I was so jealous of her success. She's in Los Angeles. I've always wanted to move to L.A. Um, she's out there. I mean, she was a, she's uh, on Oprah's network. Mm -hmm. She was the first um, host to do an after show on Oprah's network. And it was she's just so bomb. So I was just so jealous of her. She's mad young. And I'm like, oh, so I um, followed her. And it was crazy because in May of this year, I was asked to be on a panel in Houston, Texas for the National Black Film Festival. And guess who the moderator, guess who the moderator of that panel was? Miss Stacey Ike. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, crap. 
You know what I mean? So I'm just like, ugh, now I have to seek her greatness and her everything <laughs> in person. And yes, it's and, and totally, totally ignoring the fact that, girl, you own a panel. Right. You're totally ignoring that fact. You on, and, and you own a panel with Terry J. Vine, which is LaVita Alizé Jenkins from the Steve Harvey Show. Love so you own a panel with someone that you grew up watching, and, but yet you can't see the amazingness in that. And you mad because Stacey going to be the moderator. And then you go, like, what? <laughs> and so me and Stacey actually had a conversation afterwards. And she's like, don't I know you? And I was like, we don't know each other, but we followed each other on Instagram. She was like, yeah, I thought you looked familiar. And she was like, I don't see you anymore on Instagram. And I just, honest, I told her, I was like, girl, I was jealous. I had to unfollow you. And she was like, what? And we had such an amazing conversation about jealousy and envy. And she was like, thank you so much for being honest with me. She was like, no, I'm not going to apologize for my success, but I do love that you were honest enough to tell me how you feel. And it just having that kind of conversation with her and her helping me through my own situation, I'm able to follow her now and I see her and I celebrate her and I love on her and I'm always making sure that I'm commenting and that I'm being genuine in my commenting because um, I really am proud of her. But I definitely struggle with the comparison game, imposter syndrome. I'm always, not so much now, but definitely about two or three years ago, I was always wondering why I was in the room. Like, okay, you put me in this room, but I'm still not doing what I'm supposed to do. Kind of almost having like an attitude towards God. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he, I almost feel like he'd be like, girl, hush, be quiet. <laughs> I put you in this room and yes, it's not doing what you want to do, but you're in the room and you're going to get noticed because you're in the room. And sure enough, that has been the story of my life being the kind of outspoken girl and being in the room and being in the back of the room at that and speaking up and, and voicing my opinions about things have gotten me to gratefully where I am today. So, you know, it's, it's a struggle absolutely every day. Um, as far as comparing, um, I make sure that, I always remind myself that this is your journey. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's gonna. I, I, it's a million people that want to do what you want to do, but only you can do it. You know, you got the sauce. You got the drip. God <laughs> gave it to you. Right. Like if you you have you have it. It's in you. You just have to be patient. Exactly. No, that's so much goodness in that. The journey, that's like, as Oprah, I like to use, pretend that I'm Oprah sometimes, and she says, that's a tweetable. That's a tweetable. The yes. journey is not one size fits one all. Size like, fits all. we yes, cannot, you know, yeah, you, you can't just look at it. And also, that's beautiful that you realize that by looking at all these other things, you will be missing out on your experience and what you're supposed to gain from being in those rooms by saying, oh, gosh, yeah. you know, when mm -hmm. in actuality you're in the room. Like, it's so funny. Yep. And I think that's an amazing to have that, you know, be, you know, hypersensitive to that and say, like, yeah, I'm, I'm missing it by not yeah. really realizing what I need to do. But I am also a supporter of curating your feed and curating what you consume on on social and I saw that Nicole Kane wrote that on Instagram as well she was like I've mm -hmm. I've convinced myself that the world is you know flowers and roses and everyone supports one another and everything is great right. because I've taken the time to you know remove the things that will make me feel bad or not make me feel good or whatever the case may mm -hmm. be and sometimes it does being conscious of the fact to say like right now I just can't see someone else succeeding in what I want to do and I'm I'm working on that within myself and trying to get there but I need to curate something that's going to help me stay positive and and 
focused and aligned and I don't think anything is wrong with that so anyone that's listening if you feel similarly because I know we everyone doesn't want to admit it but I felt like that before it's just like oh man look at so-and-so they're really crushing it and it's you have to remind yourself it's okay to take a step back unfollow who you need to unfollow or you know Mm -hmm. do what you need to do to make sure that you're staying aligned with um, your journey and you can stay focused so good stuff all the way around but to get to your job now at uh, tv one so you're producer of digital and social media what does that position entail specifically yeah so it's a super long title but just uh in short i uh create i'm a senior producer so i create um really cool high quality content and so that could be video content written content i do manage the website tv1.tv so i'm basically the website so you go on there and in addition to full episodes and clips for our new reality series or our upcoming you know movie um, I also write celebrity uh, entertainment news. So um, any trending news that may be going on, um, I manage the website. I help manage our social media platforms. I also, um, you know, create the original content. Original content means brand spanking new. I'm not repurposing anything from any other website or taking video from social media. I'm literally creating original brand new content. So a few of the things that I've done in my almost two years at TV One, um, I think my biggest project that I, you know, I'm, I'm the most proud of is Living Single 25. Uh, Living Single turned 25 in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had the idea, I, I grew up with Living Single. It has, it means so much to me personally because me and my mom used to watch it every single day. I realized I wanted to go to an HBCU from watching Living Single. I realized I wanted to be a journalist from watching Living Single. So I've always had this really deep affinity for it. So when I realized that it was turning 25 in 2018. Um, in September of 2017, I pitched the idea because we always have um, marketing. I'm part of the marketing team. So we always have meetings about, you know, what's going to be our big digital initiative, you know, for the next year. So it was towards the end of the year of 2017. And um, we always talk about anniversaries. So TV One is an older network. It's a little bit older than BET. So it's a little bit more conservative. Um, so we know that music and nostalgia always win. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, so we're talking about different movies that are turning different ages and sitcoms and, and, and songs. And when I found out Living Single was turning 25, I said, oh, my God, we have to do an anniversary, a cast reunion. And it just so happens that we own or we have TV One or we have Living Single on TV One. So we bought the rights to the show and we have the show for five years. Um, and so it makes sense. Like we, we air the show, we have to do a cast reunion. Right. So it literally it literally took almost a year. I got the cast together in July 2018, um, but that first seed was planted in September 2017, and um, everyone loved it. But of course, you know we had other priorities kind of coming up. So my um, marketing SVP said, okay, after the NAACP Image Awards, because we aired that on TV One, after Image Awards, let's talk about Living Single. So um, that's been my biggest thing is getting the entire, well, almost the entire cast together. Um, in July, they met me in Los Angeles, and we talked about 25 years of, of living single. And so that was really big for me because it, it meant so much. And for my mom to see that, you know, like it was just kind of like a full circle moment. You know, I'm like literally 20 years ago, I'm watching it with her in my living room, in her living room. And now her daughter is on set telling these very same people what to do you know, and kind of curating this moment for black culture. So that was great. 
Um, I also created an after show for one of our reality shows. Um, Erica and Warren Campbell, Mm -hmm. they have a reality show called We're the Campbells. And um, I worked with Erica when I was working with Tom Joyner. And so I knew her very well. And I knew that her and her husband had an amazing love story. And they're such just gracious, generous people with their knowledge. They're funny. They're sexy. They're just a fun couple. And they have some very unique views about things. They're also a pastor and first lady in addition to being a Grammy, you know, award-winning singer and producer. And so I said, okay, how about we have the reality show on air but digitally, what if we do an after show? So after every single episode, we have kind of like a separate after show that is exclusively on the digital and social platforms. And we talk about different topics every week. So for nine weeks, I, you know, ask them about different topics. And of course, everything is pre-recorded. So um, I met them in L.A. at their home over the summer. And um, I asked them about everything from is divorce okay? Is sexy as sin? How do you deal with, uh, you know, mom and dad guilt? Is sex better after marriage? Wow. Just all these different, <laughs> oh yeah, all these different topics. And because they're very, one thing about Erica and Warren, they're just very sexy. They're a sexy black couple. And they, they, they love on each other out loud. And I love that because especially in the Christian community, you don't really see too many artists that are kind of touchy-filly or kissy. And they don't, they don't really, they kind of, reserve that to behind closed doors but Erica and Warren they love on each other out loud and outside in public and I love that I think that's very normal they are married you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and they talk about you know sex and the whole the whole conversation about sex and in church and why that's so kind of I guess offensive to some people they talked about so much stuff and it was amazing um so that was one of the series that I created um I have a series that I'm still trying to you know get kind of growing it's called life and lyrics and that's where i sit down with a celebrity um usually a music artist and we talk about their life and how music played a part in that so i've interviewed tank and ro timmy leela james ush uh, not usher neo jaden smith different people so i'm still trying to get that up and growing you know when you work in the digital and social world it's all about analytics and numbers so I'm trying to get life and lyrics up to the, you know, the the level of Warren and Erica and living single. So those are some of my projects um, and my work babies, as I call them, um, that I'm afforded to do a TV one. I'm always pitching different things. Um, I'm always trying to make sure that we are fresh and as um, current as possible. Like, although we are an older network, um, I still want us to be as fresh as possible. The online audience is actually a little bit younger than the on-air audience. So I'm able to do some really cool things with some younger artists and younger celebrities that we probably typically wouldn't do on air. So just in charge of creating different ideas um, and different content for our website. So all the fun stuff that we see, all the the dope content that we see. Yeah. You're pretty much. The red carpets. Yeah. So how has that been transitioning from being someone that's a fan of all these artists and listening, growing up, watching them on TV or listening to them on the radio and working closely with them now in your everyday work and, you know, having conversations with them and being at events with them. Like how has that kind of um, been in that transition? Yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm not going to, I'm, I am jaded, but at the same time, I make sure that whenever I don't think something is a big deal, I remind myself that, okay, so remember one, one day you pray for this, you know what I mean? So don't get too comfortable. So while it's, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing to be in front of people that I watch literally today on television in the theaters. 
Um, it's been fun. It's been difficult at the same time because now there's a, you step out of the fan mode and now you have to um, kind of share the space with people that have egos and people that have insecurities. Mm -hmm. So it's been difficult a bit um, kind of navigating the, oh my God, I love you so much. Because I believe in, you know, if you're going to be a fan, cool, tell them you're a fan of theirs up front so you can get that out of the way and you can actually get to what you're paid to do. You know what I mean? So if it's ever a situation where I'm just super excited about somebody before I interview them, I let them know I get that part of it out so that I can go ahead and actually do my job. Um, But you do find yourself kind of running into, you know, some challenges because there are men and women that um, either take advantage of the fact that you look a certain way or they're insecure about the fact that you look look a certain way. So it's been challenging. I've um, I've worked with a lot of different celebrities and they've been mostly great, but I have run into the ones that, you know, will absolutely try to take advantage of you. And you have to kind of know who you are. Um, you have to know what you want. You know, for me, I've always been very clear about what I want my professional journey to look like. And I don't want it to be tethered to a man in any way, form or fashion. Um, I want to be able to say that I got to where I met because I worked for it. And it's so easy to, to, you know, to go up to the room after the interview or to go out to do this after the interview or after the concert or after the comedy show. It's easy mm-hmm. because now I have this, I have this access and I have this reach that I didn't have before. But you really have to know what you want. You know, you have to know what you want and what your goals are. And while I don't, you know, nothing's wrong with doing whatever you want to do with whoever you want to do it. But you just have to be selective. Mm-hmm. And you have to be you have to be very cognizant of, OK, if you do this, what effects outside of the little 30, 45 minutes of pleasure? Right. What effects will this have on your future career? If any, you know, sometimes it may not have an effect at all. Sometimes it just may be some good whatever. And that's <laughs> what it is. But and then there could be times where it may have a negative effect. And the entertainment industry is so incredibly small. Everyone has the same manager, publicist, agent. Um, makeup artist, stylist, groomer, everyone literally shares everybody. So I literally will run into the same management for like five different artists over the last, you know, over the course of a few months. And imagine if, you know, they see you going up or going out or doing whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that because a lot of this industry, you have to be social, you know, and I had to teach myself that, okay, Crystal, you have to be sociable. You can't just do the job. I mean, you can just do the job and leave it at that. But I'm also very smart and strategic. So if they say, hey, are you coming to the show tonight? I used to always say no. But now I've learned to say yes, you know, here and there if I really do want to go. Because I know that that will also help me in networking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It helps me in the next time I want to interview. I tell the story of Tank all the time. I'm such a big fan of Tank outside of his music because he is literally – let me put a camera in his face at every job that I've been in. So I I met Tank officially at Tom Joyner and I interviewed him there, but he has popped up on my journey in so many ways. So he frequents Dallas a lot. Dallas loves them from Tank. That's a great market for him. So he was always in Dallas and every single time he was there, even if he wasn't on the Tom Joyner morning show, he would always come and let me interview him for my own thing that I was trying to get up and running. And so that was in Dallas. Then I moved to Maryland, which is where TV One is headquartered. And even now, like he, like earlier this year, I interviewed him. He literally lets me just do what I want to do because 
you know, we have that type of kind of cordial relationship. He knows that, you know, it ain't going to be nothing, you know, it ain't going to be none of that. And I think he respects that, you know, and I think in men and even women, they once they, because I think everybody will try or everybody will just kind of, kind of gauge where you are. And so if you're going to go hang out and do, you know, go out to the shows and the after parties or to the strip clubs, even if you're going to do that, you have to always remember that it's always worked for me. It's always worked. Even if I met the strip club or whoever, if I met the after party with whomever, I always remember that, okay, I might have a little drink here and there, but I'm still working because I want them to see that, okay, she don't get a buck crazy wild and I can trust whatever is going on that won't, you know, it won't be on the website tomorrow or it won't be on social media tomorrow. Yes. I gain that trust from them and I'm able to move throughout these rooms and have these relationships with these different artists. And they, it really has lended, you know, done a great service for me. Right. So it's hard. It is absolutely hard. I actually just told a story on Instagram. You know, one of my girlfriends asked me like, how are you around all these good looking men? And you don't have the urge to, you know, pop it open one time <laughs> and I I love that she asked me that because that's an honest goodness question imagine watching someone that you love your whole life mm-hmm. like let's say you you know whoever you have the biggest crush on or Ooh, you know you just you, I was you, gonna you share mine I'm not gonna share mine oh. but I, <laughs> oh, oh, Ooh, I think but I think everyone knows that I am a huge Michael B. Jordan fan I am okay such a yes. huge Michael yeah. B. Jordan fan so I'm yes. just like oh MBJ. So imagine, <laughs> right. No, Mike, Michael B. Jordan is absolutely hot. So imagine you interview Michael B. Jordan. And a lot of times when you, after you interview, you know, you take the picture and you tag them on social media. And 20 times out of 20, they're going to follow you back. So you already have this type of, you know, relationship with them where they follow you, they see you, they may DM you, um, hey, I'll be in town, whatever. That's kind of the natural kind of how the way the conversation flows. So imagine loving Michael B. Jordan, you know, all your, you know, all these last five or six years, and now you're in a situation where you have access to him. Mm-hmm. And you have this unprecedented access where you may have his email or you may have his phone number, and you know how to reach him, basically. So, um, you know, imagine that. And, and now, you know, and let's say he has some, some mild interest in you, or he says you look good, or he says that he likes that outfit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So imagine now having to go from being a fan to, oh, this could be something. I don't know what it could be. It could be a little quick thing, or it could actually be something. <laughs> but it could so, be something, right? It could be something. So it, it's, it's hard. You have to literally know what you want. And I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, I may not have entertained, but I, but before the entertaining, I always say, okay, if this goes bad and if this goes south, you know what I mean? One, is it worth it? And two, how am I going to be able to pick myself up from this? And I've been, you know, very fortunate to not be in situations where things, you know, because, you know, things can go left in this day and age. People be right. videotaping and doing all this crazy stuff. So you really just have to figure out what you want. And, and what you want your journey to stand for. For me, I don't want to embarrass my mom. I don't want to embarrass first myself, then my mama. And then I have a 12-year-old little sister that I do want to be proud of. She walks around with a hairbrush and acts like she interviews her friends just because she sees me doing that for a living. Love. So I'm very conscious of my influence. I'm very conscious of just what I want this journey to look like. And I'm not going to say that they're not going to be bumps and bruises and mess-ups and mistakes. But I'm okay with spelling out loud as long as there's a lesson learned. Got it. So Got it. it's 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 tough. It ain't easy being around these beautiful men, but I just know what I what I what I don't want. And I do not want, you know, anything that I do to be associated with 
you know, being a baby mama or being an ex-girlfriend of this, like, no, I have my own stuff before I ever met him or I had my own stuff, you know, going and working for me before that even became a thing. Right. And because I know that's what I want, I don't allow any interactions with anybody to, to deter that. And you don't want any of those interactions to discredit the hard work that you put in exactly to get to where you're going and so it's just have integrity be smart be professional and know what you want Mm -hmm. your journey to be um are definitely the the key nuggets that i got from everything that you just said but even that if, if if there's a student or even just a young professional that's looking at your story and saying that's what i want to do i want to be in a similar position or in a job like that what is advice that you would give them just like simple advice on how to get started or just kind of how to um we've talked about how to maneuver how to carry yourself but just what is some really quick advice that you could give them on how to get where you are first i would tell them that scattered seeds still grow Mm-hmm. So that's important to know because you are likely not going to start off doing what you want to do. Like me, you know, I've had many jobs, many random jobs, like really renting cars. Really, Crystal? Renting cars. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I've had really, really just out-of-the-box jobs for me that um, I had no clue was going to help me in kind of where I am today. So scattered seeds still grow, meaning no matter where you go, no matter where you, whatever you may be doing currently. They are all planting seeds for you to be where you're supposed to be. Um, and for me, that has held up to be true. Um, and so once you, once you know that, okay, it's going to take a minute for you to get there, unless, of course, you go the easy route out. The easy route out is, you know, um, being naked on social media. You know, mm-hmm. that's a thing. And you want that. That's an easy route. Um, attaching yourself to a celebrity. Um, that's an easy route out. And again, I know things happen and life happens, but if you are very intentional about what you want your journey to be, you shouldn't be falling into those traps. So, um, but you know, but if that's, if if you want to take the easy route out, those are the routes to go. There are plenty of other people that can tell you how to get there. You can just Google them. But for me, I wanted to be very intentional. So I knew I wanted to move with integrity. I wanted to keep my clothes on, on the internet. And I also wanted to make sure that I worked for what I had. So I made sure to put myself in rooms that I knew were important and valuable to me. And that just simply means that I know networking is kind of an overused phrase or word, but you really do have to tell people what you want to do. And very early on, I was never afraid to say, I want to be on television. Even working at my church in 2008, um, I literally would tell people, like, well, what do you want to do? I want to be on TV and I want to host extra and access Hollywood. I was very specific about what I wanted to do. And 20 times out of 20, those people at my church in Fort Worth, Texas didn't, couldn't, couldn't help me with that. But I was so bold in what I wanted to do. Like, if you can't even say it out loud, if you're yes. too afraid to say it out loud, yes. then well, you, you, you think the Lord going to give it to you? And there's like, power in I the can't... tongue. You're speaking and manifesting it... what you want for your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was just very bold about what I wanted at every step of the journey. People at Enterprise knew I wanted to be working in entertainment. People, when I worked in human resources for the government company, they knew what I wanted to do. So I was just very, just, I was just very vocal about it. And I did the work. 
So, yes, I was on all the social media platforms, every single one of them. And I knew then, okay, I need to follow people that are doing what I want to do so that I can see this every single day. I can see it in, you know, every single time I'm scrolling, I'm seeing somebody that I want to do. So I was following the right people. Um, I have an obsessive personality. So if I like you and I, and I rock with you heavy, I know everything about you. So I started studying the people that I wanted to, the careers that I kind of wanted to emulate. So I would look up everything about Terrence J. I love Terrence J. I, I call him my twin. You know, we're both black. We're Greek. We went to HBCUs. We both tried out for 106 and Park. Obviously, we know who made it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I, I, I literally study his, his journey. He's only a few older, two years older than me and has been able to accomplish so much. Um, you know, Oprah, of course, is the OG. Ex, uh, Sean Robinson is the host of, was the former host of Access Hollywood. I knew everything about her. I was literally studying who I wanted to be like. You couldn't tell me anything about my industry that I didn't already know. So you have to study. You have to research. And research is not just scrolling on Instagram. Research is literally typing their name into Google. Everything that pops up, you read it. Click on images, look at what they're doing, look at who they're with, look at what they're wearing, go to videos, watch every interview about this person. So I was literally, like, I literally have an obsessive personality, so I was literally watching and, and, and kind of seeing how they moved through different, you know, aspects of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I began to start doing what I wanted to do. So yes, you can do all the research in the world, you can know all about whoever you want to know about, but if you don't put it to use and put it to work, you're not doing nothing but just collecting intel on people. So I would start writing and I would start, you know, kind of offering my services to people. So I used to write for a lot of different online magazines back in the day. And I would literally just email them and say, hey, can I write, you know, different things for you? And they'd be like, no, we can't pay you, right? And I'd be like, yeah, that's okay. It's okay. I just want to write. So I started writing for um, Jubilee Magazine, which is a faith-based magazine. I started writing for Cocoa and Cream. I started working for a lot of different online sites. And I, it was just literally perfecting the writing. And then any time that I was able to work with Steve Harvey, um, you know, doing the production assistant work, that's how I perfected that. And I would let everyone know there, hey, I just want to interview people. Well, you know, this isn't going anywhere. Like, it's just going to be, you know, online. No one's going to really care. It doesn't matter. I just want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was putting to work what I wanted to do. Um, and I was just, I was talking, in, like me, I'm, I'm a talker, obviously. I would go in my bathroom and just read on the read out loud um, the different labels that are, you know, kind of in the bathroom and on your, in your, in your shower, under your sink. And I would perfect, you know, voice inflection and perfect, you know, uh, kind of, you know, hearing myself talk. I literally, I would just be talking out loud. Um, suave body wash, correct. Um, citrus bloom. Fragrance free, paraben free, you know, just literally mm-hmm. just reading out loud things that are in my bathroom and things that I see out and just, just perfecting the craft because I didn't have the audience. I didn't have a platform. Didn't even know what a platform was back then, but I knew what I wanted to do. Um, and so when I finally got on Instagram in 2009 um, and I realized like, hey, hmm, maybe I should start talking to Instagram. I don't know who's looking or who's watching or who, who even cares, but maybe I should just start doing this on camera. And sure enough, that's what I did and randomly started growing an audience and taking pictures of what I wore every day and started growing an audience from that. And when I realized that my very small audience wanted to see more of me talking to them on camera, I started taking questions and was literally answering questions like, oh, what's your favorite color? My favorite color is green. Like, it would be so, like, mad, like, elementary. But I was just, you know, I love the fact that someone was asking me something so that I could respond to 
so I say all that to say that you have to perfect your craft. Even do it when no one is watching, when no one is looking, when no one cares. Um, and if you have to make it up, do it. So I was answering things sometimes that people wouldn't even ask me, but I was consistent with it. So when it's time to, you know, the time came to come to Time Joiner, and now I have this national brand that is kind of co-signing me, that's when the audience started going for me on social media, and I began to kind of make my presence known as this, you know, girl that creates content for the, for the website, but she also does interviews here for the website, and as my audience began to grow and I began to get more comfortable in front of the camera and start sharing my experiences, and that's ultimately how I've just been growing all these years since. That's amazing. Like doing the things that you want to do and in the privacy of your own home when no one can see you. And also even when people can see you not being afraid. I think that's another thing that as millennials and as, you know, people in this kind of um, digital age, we are so conscious or worried about what someone might think or perceive that we prevent ourselves from doing what we want to do. So just, you know, like you said, take talking you know that you want to be on camera interviewing people talking to people hosting and you're doing this like you said on a smaller scale on your personal platform before the world knows your name it's going to prepare you all of this time is like how people set themselves up when it's time and you know folks someone listening might say oh that's interesting that's funny that you know you'd be in your bathroom reading off labels but all of that is helping you because now you're, you know, even when you were with Tom Joyner, talking to celebrities and interviewing them on camera. And Mm -hmm. so it just comes full circle. So don't be afraid to do those things that someone else might look down on. I might say like, Oh, that's weird. They're doing this. No, you know what you want. So put yourself in the best position to get that. So I, I love that. Yeah, and also I would want to just also add that if you want to work in this industry, you have to, like I said before, let people know what you want to do, but you also have to audition. I hate auditioning. I think it's just absolutely horrible. I hate having to, something about having to convince someone that I'm good enough just bothers the crap out of me. Yeah. But it's also it's also what I have to do because I work in this industry. So I have auditioned for one of the parts when they were looking for a new host after uh, Terrence and Roxy left. Um, I auditioned for, this is the very beginning of the OWN network. They were looking for different people to come on, this new network that Oprah Winfrey was going to do. And so I auditioned for that. I auditioned for I Want to Work for Diddy. Like, it was, I auditioned for, for, I mean, literally, America's Next Top Model. Like, and it is crazy because I actually got the furthest. Out of all the auditions, I got the furthest in Top Model than I did for any other thing, which is crazy to me. <laughs> but, um but it's just, I, I had to put myself out there. I mean, it's so uncomfortable and it's not fun. But, you know, if I heard a casting call was coming um, to Dallas, I would go. And, you know, back then I was like, okay, if I just get on reality TV and thank God, thank God that it never happened for me. But my whole thing was if I just get on reality TV, then I would be able to kind of flip that and finesse that into, you know, working, working for whoever. Um, and thank goodness it didn't happen because, you know, a lot of those girls that um, were popular back in early 2000s ain't, ain't, ain't so popping now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it, it didn't work out that way, thankfully, but it, it allowed me to practice. I mean, you know, even, you know, reading for BET, I had to literally read a teleprompter where I had to do a lot of self-tape auditions, which is you putting your cell phone up, um, you know, on something and you they send you a script. 
and you read verbatim and try to be as personable as possible and you send it back to them and they say yay or nay. And they all said nay to me. You know, when you don't hear anything back, you know it's a no. So um, that that was another thing that I had to get over because I didn't live in Los Angeles or New York or even Atlanta. I live in, in Dallas, Texas, you know what I mean? So I knew that I had to put myself out there. So any casting calls that came to the city, I was there. I also was very open about moving and leaving home. You know, I went to school in Louisiana. It was an undergrad in Louisiana, so I wasn't a stranger to being away from home. But And I also knew that, okay, what I want out of my life would probably not be at home. And I'm okay with that. So I was more than okay with moving across the country. I lived in, I lived in three different states. This is my third move across the country. I was in Chicago in 2010. Um, for an internship for three months, an internship. I graduated in 2008, but I had an internship in 2010 in Chicago, um, and that was a three-month internship, and it, I didn't get paid until the very end, and I got $1,500 for three months, um, and then I moved, yeah, crazy, <laughs> and then I moved, I moved to New York for six months, and that was a bust. You know, I, I got a job out there, and I just bought a one-way ticket, out there, didn't know where I was going to live. Two weeks into my living there, I got fired, and I was on my own for six months. Um, finally decided to move back home because, I mean, you know, we ain't going to be struggling in New York if we can go to the house. Exactly. So um, I, I came home after six months, and now I'm, I'm on my third um, my third state and city. I live in Maryland now working for TV One. So you have to be comfortable with not being attached to home, friends, and family. Gotcha. Because you're going you're gonna to miss a lot. You're going to miss a lot. You're not going to be a part of a lot because you are chasing a goal and chasing a dream sometimes that no one can see but you. Exactly. Don't be afraid. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I am with you on that. Straight away if you need to. It will be scary. It will be hard. But you know what you want and you have to do what you have to do. So yeah, that's absolutely awesome advice. Awesome advice. Also, uh, since you mentioned because you did – say um you went to school and in louisiana which we know from the beginning of the episodes that you went to grandland state university so i always like to talk about the hbcu experience from those who graduated and who are crushing it because it's so important to me to highlight and to show others who are coming after us that hbcus really do produce individuals who go on to do great things so you know and with us with Graham fam like our pride runs deep like mm-hmm. we we call ourselves Graham fam for a reason like it's really a family Absolutely. so um what or why was it so important for you to attend an HBCU um, honestly, I have no connection to HBCUs at all. I have no connection or um, legacy type of, you know, experiences with, with historically black colleges or university. I simply wanted to go because Khadijah went to Howard on Living Single, and I wanted to be Khadijah. So, you know, I don't have a, a deep, you know, affinity. I didn't have a deep affinity for it back then, um, mm-hmm. that 14 years ago, which is crazy that it was 14 years ago when I started college. But I didn't have a deep affinity for it then. But the moment that I stepped on the campus of Grambling State University, I knew that it was special. I knew that it was unlike anything I had ever been a part of in my life. I, you know, grew up in suburbia land, so I wasn't around a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And, but I... 
I would not change it for the world. It is literally the best four years of my life. I've been out of college for 10 years now, been out of high school for 14 years, and it is literally still the best four years of my entire life. Yes. And um, it taught me so much about me. You know, it didn't do, I would say, I say this all the time, it didn't do anything for me educationally, you know, like as far as the coursework and all of that, that, that you're going to get that wherever you go, you know, right. wherever you go to school at. But for me, Grambling, and more specifically in HBCU, it taught me about me. I had no clue who I was when I got to Grambling. I was 18 years old, um, and I was wildly insecure, and and I I just didn't know who I was. I don't think anybody knows really who you are at 18, but I just didn't know anything about me. And Grambling grew me up in such a way that I'm so proud of. Like, I experienced so much um, with, you know, joining a sorority at 19 years old, which completely changed my life mm-hmm. uh, from, you know, just having these crazy experiences with, with girls and guys. And I just, I, I'm an only child. So it was so mind-blowing to me that, oh, I have sisters overnight. Right. And then, no, no, you don't have sisters, really, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you have girls that share the same letters and colors and, you know. Yeah, it can be that really way. Don't have, you don't have sisters. And guess what? You're not the nicest girl either. So if they don't like you, it's probably a little bit of your fault, too, because you weren't the nicest human being either. You know what I mean? It, it taught me so much about me. And that's my favorite part of it is that it grew me the hell up. I started and ended Grambling a completely different person, like completely different. I was still very much so lost at 21. Don't get it twisted. But I learned so much about what I would allow when it came to guys, when it came to friendships, when it came to sisterhood, when it came to every. I learned so much about moral and integrity at Grambling. And a lot of the times I was doing all kinds of stuff that had nothing to do with how I was raised. But I'm so glad that I was able to do that in those four years and experience all of that heartbreak and heartache and, and disappointment. I'm glad that I was able to experience that then so that when I did graduate, I, I, now I definitely repeated some mistakes. I definitely did. However, I was able to say, you know what? Okay, Crystal, look, you're 25 now. You dealt with that when you was 19. You dealt with that at 21. At this point, we got to grow up a bit. But if I didn't have those experiences, I would have been coming into adulthood blind as a bat. Right. And so Grambling just gave me so much knowledge of just about me and self and and humanity and people. You know, we were there when Katrina happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it definitely, you know, I had never seen anything like that in my life. I had never even experienced anything like a Katrina before. And although we were not directly impacted up um, at Grambling, we were, were surrounded by our friends that lost family members or lost homes. And we took, you know, we took students in from Southern Louisiana. And it just, I just never knew anything about that type of life and being of service to someone. Mm-hmm. So it, it literally grew me up. And that's the best part of it for me is that I found, I didn't find who I was at Grambling, but I, I started to uncover who I could become while I was there. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's the funny thing is like, as you said, so many years ago, uh, we started because we started at the same time and it, how we may have 
thought about things back then, even with it. I use sisterhood, for example, because we are in the same sorority and, and line sisters and everything, how we have grown up now mm-hmm. and how we see more of the importance. I mean, as, as teenagers and as young people and you, you know, go through that whole back and forth with just the cattiness of, of just being a, a teenager and just growing up in college Absolutely. and all those things. But now we can see how important it is to have women supporting women i'm so glad that now as a as we have you know the glow up as they say we we glow up as we grow up um we can see why that's so important um you know even though it was a, a growing pain so to speak back then and uh it it is one of those things that is invaluable attending an hbcu because we there's never a time that we'll just be immersed in culture and so many people from all walks of life all states you know everywhere that can just be around each other and build those friendships so I'm you know forever indebted to Gremlin so I definitely want to get your your opinion on that because I'm always like I, I want people that come after us to know how amazing the experience is and you know it's going to be a family reunion when we get to uh homecoming Homecoming. yes girl (laughs) we are seven days out i have been counting down yes it is such it's just like when you're around people that you're like i miss you why didn't we why didn't we appreciate you know, oh. those years back then. It's once we have homecoming now and we only have it once a year that we can really mm-hmm. see how important it is to just kind of uh, love on each other when you when you have the time. So that's that's amazing. But um, let's see. I think I pretty much picked your brain and got a lot of the information <laughs> that, you know, people want to know because they see, they see you online, they see you on social and how far you've grown from just starting out to your story of, you know, grinding it out and knowing what you want and just all those different things. So it's really, it's inspiring, I will say, to see how far you've grown and to know that you have so, so much further um, to go in your journey. And so for anyone who might want to follow all of your social pages and see how, you know, your journey will continue to progress, where can they follow you on all things social? Yes, of course. Love a good plug. Um, <laughs> at Chris at Chris Franklin uh, TV is my Instagram. It's my Twitter. I'm on Facebook at Crystal Franklin TV and just Crystal Franklin. I have two pages. Um, K-R-Y-S-S-R-A-N-K-L-I-N TV. Um, so you can follow me there. Um, I'm always updating on what I'm doing, what I'm wearing, what I'm not doing, what I'm mad at, what I'm saying at. Um, I have all of these different hashtags on, on Instagram and Twitter that kind of, you know, collectively show my journey. So I have at Chris Franklin style, which is all the fashion. Um, I have uh, not at Chris Franklin, hashtag Chris Franklin style. Um, hashtag Chris takes the DMV, which is everything that I've done um, personally and professionally since I've been out here in the DMV area. I have hashtag Chris talks, which is all of my unfiltered opinions about everything that probably no one cares about um and so I am very 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 vocal um on social I'm very I try to be very consistent because I do know that as much as I hate the fact that you know this has to be my life quote unquote or my you know 
have to keep up with things that are going on. I do appreciate the opportunities that I have gotten. I am now able to, you know, kind of make a side hustle into all of these speaking engagements and, and being, um, you know, hosting different events. I am now able to make money off of, you know, being on social media. So it's been amazing. I know people have different qualms about what it can represent at times, but if you work it the right way and you're very intentional about what you want, from it, um, it can become a you know a second income for you, and that's what it's become for me. And so I'm forever grateful for my little 7,300 followers that I have on my Instagram and, and growing my 20, and growing. Yeah, if you're trying to get to 10k, girl, I'm trying to get to 10,000 followers by summer 2019, and that's just a, a goal of mine, just so that I can have the, sw- the swipe up feature on Instagram. You know, where you can swipe up and <laughs> add a link to your story. That's you know, all I want. That's, I feel like they should give that to everyone. Look, because the struggling right. small business owners that might not okay. be so nowhere near that, like Instagram. Understand that we all want to swipe Thank up, but you. I, I just I, want to swipe some stuff up. Yeah, no, but I definitely you're well on your way to 10k and beyond that because the more people um, find you and they're following and they're seeing your story, and you know we just need, like I said, some type of inspiration and motivation online to help us know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. If you keep chugging towards your goals, if you keep moving and, and keep your eye on the prize it's gonna happen so absolutely you know I, I foresee that happening quickly for you because so many people are like we love crystal I told friends that yeah. you know crystal's crystal's gonna be on and they're like I'm definitely tuning in because I want to oh, you know hear her story you. so thank you for everyone who listened to the end because we could go on and on we were talking girl <laughs> we were gonna go we on and this is a good conversation so and anyone that's listening i hope you just pulled up a, a chair and had a glass of wine like this was a sister circle this is a red table talk this yeah. is what we have it right now <laughs> yes come on yes and speaking of red table i think you need to and this is probably really ambitious but i'm the queen of being super ambitious i would love to see a millennial dreamers podcast live or Millennial Dreamers Live. You know. You know yes. what I mean? So if you go to a different, like go to different cities, you can start locally um, and have this, but in a live version. I love that. I would love to see I this I love that. Actually, you're the second, and I, I, I believe in God nods because it just confirms things that may have come across my, you know, my mind or that I've prayed about. And you're the second person that has said that because Greg Tillery, who also was the guest on the podcast, mm. he mentioned it as well mm-hmm. at the very end. He said, you know, whenever you're ready to do a live a live broadcast, you know, with the podcast, let me know. We can do it at, at one of the locations, and I'm you know absolutely open to it so I'm like okay I was all excited about it and now you've said it and I'm like you know what I'm serious Courtney like that would be bomb because it's one thing to hear people talk but it's something about humanity I'm a, I'm a big proponent of just like human interaction and when you see people that look like you that's shaped like you that don't you know we don't look like no Instagram right <laughs> we ain't out here with just you know what I mean we we some regular looking bomb girls that you know young women women that are really doing amazing things in our field and just to see that even just seeing it as a visual could could serve as so much inspiration absolutely so i would that that would be so amazing like get a group of like you know some young girls that are in college or high school and have them be the special vip guests and give them like front row access 
and maybe even little goodie bags or something like that to make them feel super important and special girl. Come girl. on now. That Look, that's the producer. When you when the producer doesn't take what? the hat off, they have all the good ideas. Yes. I love it. <laughs> this is what this is going to be a show. Um, now, since it's come out of your mouth and you are the senior producer of digital and social media at TV One, <laughs> I feel like I need to heed this advice. So, everyone that might be a supporter, know that Millennial Dreamers Live is going to be a thing. It's going to happen some way, somehow. And I'm going to help. Pro- and I'm going to help produce Woo! it. I am excited about that. Yes, Somebody's yes, going to yes. be like, Courtney is. So lame, but I'm like, no, I'm excited. No, that's dope. That's amazing. You could do it locally, styling, you know, you maybe Southern Louisiana, you know, screwed up in Northern Louisiana and then take it to the neighboring state. Girl, this could be a whole like traveling like this. I love it. See, great. We're going to be sponsors. See, yeah, I'm going to get, I'm going to not be excited. And, um, and in this episode before (laughs) people are like, oh my gosh, see now they, can y'all just get off? Listen. Y'all can talk about that. Right, right. We're like, no, this is, this is a conversation that people need to have because again, this is women supporting women and, you know, and helping one another. So again, before we sign off, I want to thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Can't wait to see you at homecoming. It's going to be amazing. And um, everyone follow Crystal Franklin TV on all things social. And this is us signing out. Peace. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have any ideas you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, send me an email to millennialdreamerspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's millennialdreamerspodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Oh, and hit the subscribe button. Talk soon. Peace. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.